everywhere you go. Refreshes without filling. Why? You carry the fun with you. I never cease to wonder at the many ways scientists have learned to improve on nature. To think just what that means. Of course, it means many things. Each one is a masterpiece of design and beauty. But first, here is your announcement. It's time for the Geeky Rummy Podcast. Hello, and welcome to Year 4, Issue 1 of the Geeky Rummy Podcast. And joining me today, your host, Mr. Ryan Parrish, is Mr. Keith Bloomfield. Hello, Ryan. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you too. It's Mr. Lee Froese. Hi. Hello. And Mr. Matt Lovell is joining us. Hello, Matt. Woo, and happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> right, so today we'll be talking to Matt about his interests and Millennium Point, where he works. We'll be talking a little bit about Parasite, which won the Best Picture Oscar, and most of us have seen it, or we've seen Bong Joon-ho's work previously. And we were talking a little bit about Disney Plus. Back with you shortly. Hello, Matt. Welcome to the Geeky Brummy family. Hello, and thank you for inviting me. I'm yes. really excited. <laughs> we're getting a bit like the Waltons now, then, if that's the case. I don't know if anybody is old enough to remember the Waltons. But like they were a massive family, which seems to be what the Geeky Brummy is slowly expanding out. Yeah. The new Mary Allen. That's what Matt is. I was thinking more the Brady Bunch. But... <laughs> We can all have a little square where we stare at each other. <laughs> a, a slightly more relevant <laughs> pop culture reference than the Waltons. Does, does anybody remember the movie they made in the mid-90s trying to like make it back to being a thing? No. That was very weird. No. Wasn't that, didn't, wasn't that the one that had Ben Stiller's wife? In? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I didn't that's... see them. I, I remember trailers for them. I didn't actually see them. Anyway, Matt. Hello. <laughs> Sorry, this we will segue quite a lot. I apologise. Oh no, that's absolutely fine. <laughs> right, Matt. So uh, we met you uh, about a year ago now when we was looking into doing our Batman sixty screening at Millennium Point. Yes, indeed. In your big giant screen space, former IMAX glory. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, uh, so as you said, I work for Millennium Point. So we're kind of a weird organization because we've been around for about 20 years and we've done a lot for different people um so people will know us as like a former imax one of the first Mm. in the west midlands uh but really we're a events venue and a landmark public building but the fun bit is the charity side so Mm -hmm. we're a charitable trust which give around five million each year into fund stem projects in the west midlands yeah, so for those who don't know, STEM is science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Or you might have heard of it as STEAM, where the arts get thrown in to just, just make it a slightly longer word. Just make it more complicated. Uh, so Millennium Point uh, opened back in 2001, if my memory serves correctly. Yeah, opened 2001, opened by the Queen officially in 2002. Mm-hmm. If you want to be pedantic. <laughs> yeah, and it's in Eastside, so it's the side of Birmingham that you've probably not really seen much happening but a lot of stuff is going to be happening very soon yeah so you've got um you've got hs2 which is the big one obviously and the announcement that it is 100 percent definitely going ahead which yes. has kind of caused mixed mixed views mm-hmm. um but obviously the kind of thing is it's happening so everyone's just gonna have to sort of like it yeah <laughs> um what would be interesting really to see is when it does eventually happen is how it's gonna kind of change 
Um, the city centre as well, whether it's going to move a bit more towards yeah. east side. Because Digbeth and east side has been a bit of a no man's land as such for the last decade or so. It, with all the preparation work going for this HS2 work, there's been lots of land clearances and then it's going to be like six months of we're consulting again. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, Digbeth has been in that perpetual state of um, it's up and coming. And it's Digbeth has always had that vibe of it's shabby chic and there's loads of cool stuff happening in Digbeth. But yeah. you're now getting a lot of sort of corporate interest in it, which will be interesting to see how that's really going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of Eastside itself, I mean, fundamentally, it's now there's universities, uh, several universities um, around. So it will be interesting to see how that's going to change over the next 10 years, whether it's going to stay like that or whether it's going to turn into more of a uh, sort of hotspot for um, corporates, really. Yeah, because you've got um, BCU and Birmingham Metropolitan College and Birmingham Conservatoire all as tenants in and around Millennium Point, I believe. All as tenants, yeah. Uh, B might have just moved out, but we've got uh, Steamhouse moved in, which is BCU-related, and also the 5G Centre, which is coming soon tbc yeah so um, you can play raid shadow legends on your phone even faster <laughs> absolutely <laughs> download using this code now <laughs> yeah. yeah so it's great to hear about all the things with millennium point i mean i know you're really proud of the scholarship campaign that, that you've been doing the last few years yeah so um my role is kind of marketing but also i get to do some of the fun stuff for charity and uh one of the big ones is the scholarship which fundamentally um is an annual competition where um, one young person gets a fully funded degree at BCU. Um, and it could be anything in the Faculty of Computing, Engineering and the Built Environment. So anything from uh, film production, music tech, to video game design, to things like engineering um, and computer science. So it's quite cool. And I think the best thing is really um, seeing all of these uh, sort of 16, 17 year olds that are so ridiculously talented and so switched on because I was never at 17 I spent most of my time on MSN or playing Warcraft 3 that kind of thing I was never that engaged yeah um whereas a lot of these uh, sort of young people have um things like built their own websites coded their own games that kind of thing at 17 and they've got all these ambitions and I'm just like wow that's insane <laughs> yeah because I remember going to the uh, award ceremony itself last year and the caliber of the candidates and the amount of work they'd put into their presentations was shocking <laughs> it was like full-on three-minute long videos all about how they want to do there was one guy who designed an entire logistic logistical strategy of how he's how his project was going to work. STEM lorries, yeah, having lorries yeah. filled with all these different uh, activities going out to different schools. And it was just um, inspiring, but simultaneously quite depressing that yeah. I just can't, I could never think of that kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's really, really exciting. Uh, the final's back on the 13th of March and it's open to the public. And it's, um, I met the five candidates uh, this time last week and they are all just brilliant. Um, uh, they're doing a quite a diverse mix as well from cybersecurity, uh, computer technology to uh, civil engineering. And they've got some of their sort of presentations are really, really interesting. They're all presenting on issues in the West Midlands from their perspective as a young person and kind of the next generation. And it's really eye-opening to see how much they've grasped and they 
can come up with, really. Yeah, I mean, it's great to see as well. It's, I mean, it's, it's an open scholarship and it, it's probably allowing people who you wouldn't expect to be able to get to university in a normal way and be able to be saddled with the amount of debt that you'll get now from a three-year university course to be able to have feel like they've got a chance, they've got a shot to apply to, to the course that they find most passionate about. Yeah, 100%. And um, so we got a record number of applications and it was really hard this year because a lot of them, we had a couple of applications from people who had been previously homeless. Um, a lot of them came from um, low-income families. Um, they were sort of black ethnic minorities, those kind of thing, very marginalised. And um, the sort of strength and ambition... Uh, from them it's just a shame that we couldn't have more um but with the five finalists we have uh i've developed kind of a full-on program for them so they're not just competing in live final but they're also getting kind of core skills and links to industries that are relevant to them and we've also got kind of an aftercare session with some coaching sessions so even the ones who didn't win do still benefit and part of that is also kind of uh, helping them to deal with uh, not winning, really, and actually telling them that it's more about the experience and you're going to experience more of this in life, but actually how do we make the best out of it yeah. and what do we do next? You know, I mean, Even not winning is still a great opportunity because they're meeting some of the top business people in Birmingham and a few of the candidates last year were like being picked up for apprenticeships and it's kind of like we, we're... We've noticed we've got a lot of faith for you guys in the future, so there might be something that you could pick up, which isn't just a university course. There's a lot of ways of getting into a career and getting further on ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you kind of find it more and more that uh, university is not really just the only route anymore, and yeah. especially with the saddling of loads more fees, a lot of uh, young people are actually going, well... Um, why would I be saddled with this debt when actually I can start working straight away in an apprenticeship or for an organisation already? Yeah. So, yeah, um, I'm always looking to kind of adapt it and expand. I think that's what's really kind of cool about my job because um, we have that adaptability to kind of change what we do and how we do it based on the people we support. Yeah. And as we mentioned, there's loads of event spaces to hire at Millennium Point from just an office room to having the giant screen slash auditorium that we were lucky enough to entertain people at a year ago. That, that sounds quite wrong, doesn't it? <laughs> when we had a film screening and we chatted about it beforehand, you can find the podcast in our archives. Yeah, and uh, sort of what was really, really cool was we have uh, an annual sort of esports tournament that comes to us called VS Fighting and they focus on... Uh, uh, beat em up games and to see sort of Tekken 7 on that massive screen was so cool um, and just the hype and the amount of just having it seems like 300 PS4s and 360 uh, sorry uh, Xbox One's all kind of hooked up and everyone's sort of like on their own computers like battling each other out it was just really really cool to see and that's the kind of thing I like about uh, Millennium Point is that you don't really get that in other venues um yeah, so it's quite cool. So moving on to yourself a little bit, what does the word geek mean to you? <laughs> it's banded around quite a lot, to be honest. Um, but to me, it just means an intense enjoyment for 
certain things so for example for me i'm a massive gamer but i'm hugely into uh dota 2 and moba and i'm a massive geek when it comes to the mechanics of the game but also uh things like the esports scene surrounding it um right down to um sort of changes in patch notes and how that affects the game and it really to other people they go that's incredibly sad but to me i'm there being like this is absolutely phenomenal and you have no idea what it's like um but also things like um anything from uh things like star wars as well like i can talk to you about star wars lore till the cows come home and <laughs> slander the new films and all the rest of it when actually on the surface it's it's just kids films that kind yeah. of thing but when you look at the extended universe everyone's looking really com- uncomfortable being like no it's so much more yeah. it's that kind of raw passion for certain things that i would define as being a geek yeah, because I think the word's been banded around a lot, and it's something we mentioned on the show previously, that geek is now just stuff like Star Wars or sci-fi or gaming or being really interested in TV. But I think we've gone beyond that now. With like Things have crossed over into mainstream, stuff like Game of Thrones, even though the ending wasn't. <laughs> but uh, even Breaking Bad, stuff like that. But I think you can be a geek about anything. I know lots of people at work who are obsessed with sports and football, and it's like knowing... Which was the starting eleven from twelve years ago? Me, you are a geek because you know about things. That... The thing about sports fans is that they're probably the biggest geeks of all because it's all stats and spreadsheets. That's all it is. Yeah, and you see them with the fantasy football leagues, and you mm. see them with their virtual team and how much money they have to spend. It is the same as playing Dota Two. It's like you're picking out your best, picking out your lanes, picking out your best players, making sure that your gaming strategy is right. You could also say as well that football fans are the original cosplayers, yes. because mm. it'll yeah. be years and years yeah. and years ago that they will it's have a cosplay convention every week. They, they, <laughs> wear, they wear their team's costume. Yeah, um, you know they call it a kit, but it's a basically a costume. You know, I well, never looked at it that way before, but you are so right. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> especially when you see, see people dropping their phones. <laughs> especially when you see them wearing like the old nineteen nineties and nineteen eighties era football shirts. Like yeah. it's like. Like your variant Deadpool versions are coming out. To yeah, play. you get the get them. You get their shirts signed and put them in frames on a on a wall. That's the same kind of geekery as as me putting a signed poster from my favourite film up. So, well, if anybody's been to Birmingham Comic Con, well, Birmingham Memorabilia, it starts off as not just a comic convention. It was a comic and sports convention where you'd yeah. have aged dart players and footballers lined up signing autographs all night. Yeah. I think as a community geek, should should everybody should come together. If you're passionate about a particular thing, that you you like to know all about it, you're invested in it, you collect things about it, you talk about it with other people, and that can that could be from you know knitting through to watching football or watching Star Wars movies or whatever it is. It's all part of one big desire to be part of something else, something bigger than yourself. So, what would be your top three movies, Mark? Oh god, that's a uh... top three movies would probably be up there. Happy Battle Royale, um, okay. just because when I first saw it, I was like fifteen, sixteen. I was like, oh my god, this is actually insane. Um, and it was my f- one of my first exposures to um, Asian cinema as well, and it just got me really excited. Uh, Battle Royale, I would probably say. Um, Train Spotting 2, because I think that's a really good example of a sequel done right, where it's not really just recycling old material from the first one, but actually it's doing a commentary and commenting on the characters and the developments and how time has changed. 
Um, and lastly, I think probably be a bit generic, but I'd probably say Fight Club. Just because I like the um, very hindered towards pop culture, but I do like the philosophy behind it. I think it's just a really cool movie. It's really fun. And I like what they've done compared to the book as well. Nice. And top three games to finish off. Top three games to finish off. Um, Dota 2, <laughs> I'd say, uh, because it means a lot to me. And also I have like a core friendship group that I've been playing with ever since it was a Warcraft 3 mod. Um, and um, one of those people I actually live with now and influenced me going to university, but also moving to Birmingham. So I owe a lot to that game. Um, I would probably say as well Final Fantasy 9. Um, it's Okay. Yes. Probably like one of the hipster choices for Final Fantasy games, but no, it's no, probably I'm, not, I'm right there really with you. So. Honestly, <laughs> like it was the first one, and everything from the soundtrack to the characters to the story was just phenomenal, and I just love it. Um, I mean, eight is better, so we'll agree to disagree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, don't, because we'll start an argument. Um, but yeah, uh, so that Final Fantasy Nine, I would probably say. Resident Evil 3, um, mm-hmm. which I can't really explain why. I just, it was one of the first Resident Evils I completed, but I think it had a quite a nice um, toss up between being more action orientated but still sticking with the survival horror. Um, and I'm just really hyped for the remake as well because, especially following on from RE2, I think it looks like it's going to be bigger and better, but also enhancing a bit more of the story which i think re2 kind of missed an opportunity on nice <laughs> so you're looking very much forward to the resident evil 3 remaster which is rumored to be coming very soon after the very great success of resident evil 2 remaster it's not rumored it's out in april oh, was it out in april there you go there's trailers and everything i've been busy <laughs> <laughs> Um, but also, like, what the PC community are going to do with all the mods, which is yes. always fun. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much for There isn't really, like, a, a hardcore rap song that fits Nemesis, though, which is unfortunate. No, that's true. I mean, it's not one that immediately comes to mind. There probably is one. But you know there's going to be a Thomas Tank Engine mod. Oh, yeah. <laughs> with everything that's Thomas Tank Engine Thomas mod. Thomas Tank Engine with a flamethrower. <laughs> Me and Macho Man Randy Savage <laughs> just bursting through a wall. <laughs> Thanks for giving us a bit of introduction to yourself, Matt. Thank you very much. Hello, and welcome to the Game of the Week roundup. It's been three weeks since I did this, so now I'm going to shove three games into this slot all at once, as quickly as I possibly can. Three weeks ago, my Game of the Week was Luna the Shadow Dust. Produced by a small multinational team, this is the studio's first game, and it's impressive work. It's a point-and-click puzzle game starring an unnamed boy and a small, round, fuzzy, cat-like creature as they traverse a mysterious, magical tower. The whole game is wordless, communicating everything through visual cues and animation. And what visuals they are! Luna the Shadow Dust is gorgeous, using traditional animation techniques that appeal directly to my love of 2D animation. Character designs are adorable, with the little friend being especially bouncy and cute, and a few mouse characters running around, adding to the whole cute cartoony vibe. 
This also allows for some clever puzzle design, particularly with the Lil Friend's ability to blend into the shadows. I adore Luna the Shadow Dust, but if you want to know more, I should have a full review of the game up on geekybrummy.com. Luna the Shadow Dust is published by Application Systems Heidelberg and developed by Lantern Studio. It is now available on PC through Steam. My game of the week two weeks ago was World of Horror. It's a one-bit adventure game. It's Lovecraftian horror with art that draws heavily from the work of legendary comic artist Junji Ito. And with that sentence alone, I'm completely sold. It's part RPG, part text adventure, and full of gruesome horrors beyond human comprehension. So in other words, it looks excellent and right up my street. Exactly my kind of horror game. World of Horror is published by Isprid Games and developed by Panstats. I have no idea if I pronounced either of those correctly. It is currently available in early access on Steam, and it's also available through the Xbox Game Preview thing as well, so it's on early access on two systems. There you go. And finally, the current game of the week is Bloodroots, a hyper-stylized and brutal action game where improvised weapons are key to the gameplay. You play as Mr. Wolf, a betrayed man out for revenge, while wearing a rad wolf skin in a cartoonish Wild West setting. The game is all about chaining together combos as you plow through waves of enemies, using the environment to your advantage. Ever wanted to beat a man with a carrot? Well, this is the game for you. It was developed by Canadian developers Papercult, and is out now for Steam, PS4, and Switch. And those were my recent games of the week for the past three weeks. Uh, If you want to know more about the recent releases, as well as gaming news in general, please uh, go to geekybrummy.com where you can find all of my roundups every Friday, where you can get more information on these things. Let's get back to the main show, shall we? We've had our first ever foreign slash international language slash whatever the Oscars are calling it this week winner at the Best Pictures this year, which was Parasite by the director Bong Joon-ho, who's a bit of a been a bit of an indie success over the last few years. You'd have probably might have heard of Snowpiercer. I'm not going to go into the Willy Wonka sequel theory because that's 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 the hole that we don't have time for. Today. It's also utter nonsense. <laughs> it's true, Keith. It's not <laughs> accepted. It's true. We don't have time to go into that crazy hole today. But um, you might have heard of the host. He's done a few, quite a few of the well-renowned movies. But this is his first big picture, I'd say. Uh, I think Snowpiercer was fairly big. Like it wasn't huge, but it wasn't yeah. like. I think it's one of those films that's probably picked up more after its initial cinema release. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one, winning the Palme d'Or in Cannes, I think elevated it up, and mm-hmm. now it's become this global phenomenon and it's winning a, a lot of awards. Yeah, I think his previous stuff were more um, off kilter genre stuff. Yeah, um, because he did it, you know, obviously Snowpiercer is based on a graphic novel. Um, French graphic novel, host. yeah, yeah, it's a, a French graphic novel, and the host again is a kind of slightly kind of genre piece. Mm-hmm. And the Ochko that he did for Netflix again, it's a slightly off kilter thing. So I think this is yeah. more his most kind of audience friendly 
if you could say audience well, friendly about this film. Yeah. Um, but it's I think it's the one that kind of people can get into a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Well, the funny thing is, like I didn't know anything about it going into it apart from who directed it and having seen the host. I was like, okay, I'm on board. And it, because everyone said it was great, and just because I've not seen many Korean movies, but every Korean movie I've seen has been excellent. Yeah. And I'm pleased to report that this one continues that streak. So It also kind of um, ignited that conversation of like subs v dubs oh God. again, <laughs> which <laughs> is, uh, you know, a massive topic of contention I, but... I, I saw a tweet which was like um i think someone just looking through a window gif of someone looking through a window is like uh, anime fans seeing normal film fans discussing subs versus dubs <laughs> <laughs> so it's like like yeah we've had this conversation this, this is an old old debate for anime fans mm-hmm. i mean i remember acquiring naruto many moons ago when it first came out and there was there was kind of like a sub release and then a fan made dub release which would come about a week later. Yeah. No. Well, I've I've sort of found this again for myself with the subs versus dubs and anime because I've been watching all the Ghibli stuff. Yeah. On Netflix and I put subs and because like well on Netflix it like defaults to the dub and I'm too lazy to change it. But like yeah. I started watching like started watching Paul Carosso and you've got Michael Keaton as the the lead and he's terrible. So I immediately just switched it to subs because I was just like this is awful. There is no emotion in this performance whatsoever. It's like he's reading a script while also Eating falling asleep. <laughs> I think there's a the dubs v subs thing because I'm all subs, never dub. As there far is as only I'm one dub I will ever allow myself, and it's actually really, really good. It's Helsing because they actually set in the UK and they actually got a British cast. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just lazy Americans doing terrible British accents. They went and found British actors, and it yeah. worked all right. I'm okay with dubs, but only in animation. If it's live action, it has to be subs, because yeah. you can never dub live action well. Yeah, no. But then you get the weird things about re reissues of films, because I've got the original Fox release of My Neighbor Totoro, which has got a far superior dub to the Disney one, which they did later on, which has got a bunch of celebrity names. And it's like, I can't watch that that one. But even up until now, you'd think, surely the idea of like people being able to act with their voices, because I, I yeah. watched Shin Godzilla a couple of years back, obviously in Japanese. But I thought, I'll, I'll see what the dub's like. If It's, it's got to be an improvement seconds. on the ones they made from the 60s. Oh my days, this was like the worst thing I'd heard in ages. It ruined the movie completely. Yeah, I'm so glad they didn't go with a terrible dub version on this. And I don't think the audience would have accepted a dub of Parasite, personally. Mm-hmm. I think it's so steeped in Korean culture and mm-hmm. oddness. I don't think an English dub would have been any kind of benefit to no. that film at all. Yeah, I mean, what I thought was quite interesting, which I never really got before um, watching subbed films, was uh, the dry humour was really apparent. And yeah both in the acting and the delivery of the lines, and I never really picked up on that in any other sort of foreign language film, so I found it was just really interesting to see mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So for anybody who hasn't seen it, I mean, we'll drop the trader into this, but for anybody who hasn't seen it, uh, the whole premise of this is it's a family of chances get embroiled in a rich family's life. And that's all I'm going to tell you yeah. because mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's very spoilery to go into anything else, but it's mm-hmm. basically right to this family who are the parasites in the film title really 
trying to find a way to... Or are they? Or are they? Well, are they <laughs> trying to find a bit of cash and they get themselves embroiled in this rich family for a, for a chance happening and then it all spirals down from there. And it's a typical Bong Joon-ho movie where you start off with one premise and it changes midway through to something else. Mm-hmm. And it's and again, uh, referencing Snowpierce, it's very much about class, this film. It's very much about what separates people into a class structure. I mean, it's really like visually obvious as well like yeah. how they divide the class because you've got the rich family that live at the top of a hill. And you've got the poor family living down in a basement, which you've got to travel down all these stairs and hills to get to in order to. Yeah. And so I mean, it, they made it very obvious for that. Yeah, I mean, um, from previous Bong Joon Ho movies, you expect the fantastical, and you expect these big, egregious, overblown sets, and you expect big set pieces. I mean, uh, that was the one thing Snowpiercer was known for: the whole hatchet fight scene, which is kind of like this big spectacle in the middle of the film. Parasite has none of this, really. Mm-hmm. You might probably put the final big scene into his spectacle bit, but I it felt to me like this is like soap opera, but mm-hmm. really, really, really well worked soap opera. Mm. I mean, you could probably see this storyline working on something like EastEnders or Coronation Street. Weirdly, I think I have seen some people say that like it is kind of almost a parody of K dramas. Yeah, like actual like sort of Korean soap essentially. Yeah, um, especially because there's a lot of there's a lot of Korean dramas which are about like this like poor person from a poor family marries into a rich family, and, yeah. and it's that kind of class divide thing. But this kind of just changes the whole premise. Yeah, I mean, I think the other joy of the film is I don't think any part was particularly acted badly, apart from the first housekeeper, maybe. Yeah, and I also thought that even though you can, to an extent, kind of guess what might happen or how it's going to go um the minute to minute is unpredictable i kind of found and you were kind of almost making sure you were watching absolutely everything because every kind of minute counted yeah and it was gorgeous cinematography as well your eyes drinking every single shot Mm -hmm. every single thing was beautifully shot in this film Uh, it's it's one of the most artfully beautiful even when disgusting things were happening on screen yeah. it still looked quite beautiful in the yeah. way it was yeah. shot i mean keith you're in for a treat with this and I, I know you always take a great view of how things are shot on there well i'm kind of partly waiting for the black and white reissue because when it when it first hit the uh, film circuit or the, the kind of uh, festival circuit last sometime last year i think yeah i think did. it was Cannes they did year. a few a uh, few screenings in black and white and apparently that's going to be kind of coming out at some point and that'd be quite interesting to do just to see the starkness yeah uh, of that uh, to see how that works because that, that a lot of people have said that 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 particular version is is quite powerful mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's great to see from a cultural aspect as well this said this is a film that seems to have broken through this whole english language barrier I mean, it's part of Bong Joon Ho's speech. It was like finally a film that doesn't have to rely on English language to get somewhere in the mm-hmm. world, and it's good to see that. And I think we are starting to see this cultural shift now with the whole world. Now it's everything's accessible now. You don't have to be pigeonholed. I mean, I remember waiting up till God knows what hour in the morning to watch anime on Channel Four because that was the only way in the UK as a British child that you could get anime mm-hmm. unless you got it from uh, the video shop. It's because the way the world is, it's 
everybody has access to almost anything and you can find a way of finding the stuff that will pique your interest. I think it takes it away from art house cinema. Yes. Because when I was a, a, a young person in the early 80s and we had the Triangle Cinema in Birmingham, you would get a lot of international language films, obviously predominantly European. So we had uh, French films, German films, but we would also get uh, Japanese films and Mexican and stuff like that. So I'm quite used to seeing foreign language films in a cinema. And I think that's become less and less as the kind of art house cinema has disappeared over years and the the multiplexes have taken over. But I think with the rise of smaller uh, cinemas and you know, filmmakers getting material out there. And I do think in some ways places like Netflix has helped because Netflix puts out a lot of international content. Um, So the the idea of seeing things from other countries, if not in the original language, but at least that sensibility of seeing something from a different country uh, is is definitely there. And I think there's a a desire for people to see more interesting work. And that was that was one of the great interesting things about me is looking into this slice of Korean culture because you could feel the cultural impact of it without having to know about how Korean society is structured. Mm-hmm. You 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 felt the nuance coming through. You felt that everybody has their place in that society. And well, I think like I've actually seen a comment from uh, Bong Joon Ho about um, how he made this specifically for Koreans. Yeah, so it's very Korean, but. He then, it's sort of almost an accident that, like, everyone else in the world seemed to resonate with it. Well, I think the whole thing with class structure is, I mean, the UK is probably one of the worst examples Mm -hmm. of ever having a class structure. But we've changed away from this nobility and titles. It's now all based on your net worth, your income. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of a universal thing is people, I mean, they even say it in the film, people who have money are nice because they can afford to be nice. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's one of the driving home things that I got in that film was if you have the money and the funds, being nice comes easier. Mm-hmm. If if you don't have money, if you're scrabbling to find enough to feed your family, you're going to probably take some paths that you wouldn't normally consider in any other circumstance. Mm-hmm. I think it's a timely piece as well. Oh, definitely. But globally, the idea of, of the differentiation between the haves and have not the 99% and the 1% is something that resonates with people across the globe at the moment. That idea of who has the power, where people, um, you know, where where is where are the people that aren't have no voice or have no control yeah. or have no ability to to change things. And it's quite interesting because it comes it's coming about about a year after we had us. Yeah, Jordan Peele did, which you could say there are some parallels in between, kind of like. I mean, even if you go back to Get Out, there was yeah. very much mm-hmm. that kind of feel behind it, and it it's the sectional the sectionalization of society. Everybody's now fitted into a pigeonhole or a box, saying you li- you live in this, your labels are this, your labels consist of this. But it's interesting when you're saying about like you know the line about you can afford to be nice. Yeah, but we see what that really means towards the end. Obviously, no spoilers, but yeah, you know they kind of there's a very stark contrast towards the yeah. end of. Yeah, just how nice they actually are. Yeah, so and it's that whole thing about what happens when you're cornered. Your true personality mm-hmm. comes out, mm-hmm. and if you're backed into a corner time and time again, one day you will snap and you will bite. And you can see mm-hmm. that very much in that final scene, which we really tried not mm-hmm. to spoil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, how would you sum it up, Matt? 
Oh, God. <laughs> Last question. Um, unex- I think what you said before is a, um unexpected, almost Korean soap parody um, done in a bizarrely kind of Western way, but I can't really say how. That was not the best explanation. But... It's it's a universal kind of language behind it. Yeah, Lee. I think yeah, it's kind of it's it's a story that kind of everyone can relate to, but very much through a Korean sort of lens. Yeah, it's how I sort of look at it. Yeah, um, and yeah, just it, but also like it's a dark comedy that I didn't expect. Yes, I mean the dark humor in it is yeah. fantastic I as did, well. I did not expect any of that, and I was there was lots it. of laughing in the cinema, which yeah. I was not expecting. Yeah, it it was very much a oh, this is actually funny as well yeah. as like yeah. a thriller as thought, well as thought, like oh yeah, the same, yeah. I'm, from what I've heard, this is a thriller. So expecting something very serious, and then very quickly just the jokes start happening. Yeah. I was like, oh okay, no, I'm I'm even more on board now. Yeah, because I watched Snowpiercer on the same day. It, the theme underlying the movie felt very much. Uh, this is just him, like reinterpreting the same thread he had in Snowpiercer, mm-hmm. but we're out trying to hammer blow it into your head this time. It's kind of like he, he's developed his art now to it's a nuance, and you can tell like he's he's thought about this very carefully. And it's very blind, and as you said, you can tell it's been made for a Korean audience, but mm-hmm. the universal theme behind it mm-hmm. resonates deeply. Mm-hmm. Um. I think we all would say we'd recommend it. Oh, yeah. Go oh, yeah, go and watch it at the cinema, and if you don't see it at the cinema, just please go and find it. It's one of the most interesting movies I've seen in a long while. And a bit of advice, uh, don't go and see it, and then immediately drive halfway across Birmingham to go watch the Sonic movie, because <laughs> it's a very <laughs> odd day if you do that. Yeah. I did that. Okay. <laughs> And now it's time for the Geeky Brummy Pool list, where I'll be looking at the comics released in the next two weeks. On the 4th of March, my comic pick of the week is Billionaire Island number one. This is from Ahoy Comics. It's written by one of my favourite writers of the moment, Mark Russell, with art by Steve Pugh. In this issue, a savage satire reunites the critically acclaimed writing team behind DC's The Flintstones. Mark Russell, Second Coming, and Steve Pugh, Harley Quinn Breaking Glass, in an all-new creator-owned series. Welcome to Billionaire Island where anything goes, if you can afford it. But the island's ultra-rich inhabitants are about to learn that their ill-gotten gains come at a very high price. And every Ahoy comic comes with extra prose stories and illustrations, so you're getting plenty of comic for your money. Also in the pool list for that week is Outer Darkness Chew Number 1 from the Skybound imprint at Image. This is written by the creator of both series, John Lehman, with art by Afu Chan and Rob Gilroy, who were the artists on both Outer Darkness and Chew. From DC's Black Label, we have The Dreaming, number 19. This is written by Simon Spurrier, with art by Bilquis Eveling. At IDW, we have Star Trek Year 5, number 11. This is written by Jackson Lansing, Colin Kelly, with art by Stephen Thompson. New from Boom Studios this week, we have The King of Nowhere, number 1. This is written by Ice Cream Man creator W. Maxwell Prince, with art by Tyler Jenkins. From IDW, we have the first issue of The Crow, Leith. This is written by Tim Seeley with art by Ilias Kuriasis. 
At Marvel, we have Excalibur number eight. This is written by Tinny Howard with art by Wilton Santos. And finally that week, I have another comic I highly recommend you pick up. It's coming from the writing team behind Mr. Miracle, which you will know I was a fan of a while back. And this is Strange Adventures number one from DC. It's written by Tom King with art by Mitz Gerrards and also Evan Dokshana. So this is one that I'm highly looking forward to. It's a 12-issue series all about Adam Strange, who is a hero I really, really, really love. Uh, So please do give that one a try. For the 11th of March, my comic pick of the week is Decorum number one from Image Comics. This is written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Mike Huddleston. In this first issue, there are many assassins in the known universe. This is the story of the most well-mannered one. Manners are a sensitive awareness of the feelings of others. If you have that awareness, you have good manners, no matter what knife you use. Also out that week, from Ahoy Comics, we have Captain Ginger Season 2, Number 2, by Stuart Moore and June Brigman. From DC Comics, we have Green Lantern, Season 2, Number 2. This is by Grant Morrison, with art by Liam Sharp. From IDW, we have Rom, Diorathus, Number 2. This is written by Chris Ryle, with art by Guy Dorian. From Marvel, we have Hawkeye Freefall, Number 4. This is written by Matthew Rosenberg, with art by Otto Schmidt. The Immortal Hulk, Number 32, written by Al Ewing, with art by Joe Bennett. New Mutants, Number 9. This is written by Ed Brisson, with art by Flaviano Armentaro. And X-Men number 8, written by Jonathan Hickman, with art by Mahmoud Asrar. And finally, from Arkea, we have Jim Henson's storyteller, Ghosts number 1. This is written by Mark Laszlo, with art by Michael Walsh. And that's it for the comics coming out in the next two weeks. If you pick up something you think we might also be interested in, please do get in touch with us through Twitter, at GeekyBrummy, or drop us a line at hello at GeekyBrummy.com. Getting into the streaming game a little bit later than other people is Disney. And we're late to the game as well, because I think we're one of the last countries in the known universe to get Disney Plus over here in the UK. I mean, I think we've got even more HBO chance of getting HBO Max before we get Disney Plus mm. at this rate. Yeah. But um, so it's coming April, I believe. Well, very end of March. March twenty third, I think, yeah. is the date they said. End now. of March or twenty fifth, I, I think. Yeah, actually. I think they're doing an offer where it's fifty quid for the first year if you sign up now. Yeah, which it's probably comparable pricing to Amazon Prime. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's as much of a discount as they should be offering. No, definitely, not, really. I mean, the one thing that I've found was weird is they've already confirmed that all the stuff is going to be periodically released as well. They're not doing a big content dump. Yeah, so except like releasing Mandalorian weekly. It's like the rest of the world has seen this. Mm-hmm. We've already got the Baby Yoda merchandise in stores. Yeah, we basically know the entire story from gifts and memes that have been on the t- <laughs> internet. Probably for the gifts past the entire thing, just putting <laughs> yeah. together the screenshots. I think they need to they need to sweeten the pill for us in Britain a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I'd like them to do a kind of like founders offer, like they did in the states, where they could offer this this value and say you don't have to pay it all now, but if you sign up, you get this year at this price, you get the next year at that same price, and you get the year after at that same price, but you can cancel. Uh, at any point but you if you sign up in advance that's fine um but yeah not not giving us the mandalorian all in one go is yeah. i think put or will put a lot of people off because they'll just go well we've already watched it through various means anyway so why not that we would condone that no. <laughs> ever um but it's an interesting one i'm tempted by it because of the content that they're gonna get 
but I'm also put off by the fact of the content they're not going to get because various companies are playing silly monkeys over which content they'll let yeah. go because they still won't confirm in this country yet whether they're going to have The Simpsons on there because Sky and Channel 4 are still kind of content uh, well, deliverers on both of those, on, on, that, on that Simpsons. I think it's the whole issue that we've had with Fox and the Disney purchase. And then Comcast basically swiping Sky from Fox mm. in the deal because that was the whole weirdness of it. And now they they are going to play cheaty games, really, because if you can force Disney not to have some content on their streaming service and you buy Sky instead, why wouldn't you play that game? Mm. But it's again the whole globalization is ridiculous because yeah. there are there are legitimate means where that you can sign up via America and get all the content. Yeah. Uh without breaking um you might be breaking some <laughs> laws somewhere along the lines, but you know. You'd um, probably be breaking a terms of service agreement, but Yeah. No, I wouldn't say you'd be breaking a law for you to actually pay money and pay for a service. Well who reads yeah. the terms of service agreement <laughs> yeah. if you read them? It's it, to me, it's the same as buying something from Amazon Spain or buying a game through Xbox Hungary. Yeah, you're still purchasing the product, whether digitally or physically. Yeah, uh, you're paying for it to be delivered to your home address mm. by whatever method that you would like it delivered, whether a VPN or yeah. It just reminds me a lot of the, the hateful days of like. Uh, diff- separate re- region releases for DVDs and whatever it is, and, and then region lo- yeah. region locking stuff. It's like ugh, if you if you're going to put that content out there and flaunt it, and as, uh, back then it wasn't so bad that you weren't getting everybody on Twitter going, ah, oh, look what we've got, look what we've got. Yeah, that it wasn't so bad. But now it's like, come on, we've had we've had people going on and on for months about the Mandalorian. Yeah, and yet still, when it comes to Britain, it's like, oh, well, you know, you got to have it one week at a time. I mean, I think the ridiculousness of that situation to mention in Twitter was: I remember when Picard came out, and it was the same with Star Trek Discovery. They like had the trailers on the CBS All Access, but the tweet was region locked. Yeah, so you wouldn't be able to play the video on Twitter for them promoting their shown show when you could just go to YouTube and watch. The same trailer. Yeah. But why would you region lock a trailer for the product you're trying to sell? It yeah. makes no sense to me. It's like it's like anti corporatism here. Yeah, what we need to do is do some kind of like British holdback where we go, right, we're gonna do a new season of Downton Abbey. Yeah. But we're gonna keep it for three months and we're gonna spoil it completely for you Americans. The same with the crown, anything the Americans like. I think I think we kind of already operate Doctor Who like that. Yeah, but nobody cares about Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> oh. The Americans are like, well, whatever, we don't mind. Yeah. Um but we haven't got we haven't got that thing, we haven't got that, that thing that everybody wants yeah. um, in Britain. Can't do the same with like EastEnders or Coronation Street or Whatever it is, just imagine some terrible trying thing. to export EastEnders. <laughs> well, I saw I saw a trailer for some terrible they would have to actually drama. subtitle it. Yeah, could you imagine Phil Mitchell being streamed to a household in Georgia, America, <laughs> and somebody trying to work out why he's going? Hey, hey, that would have to be subtitled. <laughs> wouldn't it? Um, I mean, I watched five minutes of it where there was Danny Dyer and a woman in a flooded basement, and her f- foot was stuck in some kind of kitchen contraption. Yeah. And I was like, 
how would you explain this to anybody else? <laughs> how would you explain the guy from The Firm or what other gangster movie was on? Or Danny Dyer's I Believe in Aliens, which is still one of the greatest hours of TV of all time. How would you explain that to a non-UK audience? Explain it to me. <laughs> um, I mean, America does have like the, the Spanish soaps that come in from like Mexico yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And that's probably equally as ridiculous at times. Yeah. I think... So, Returning back to Disney Plus, though, so we're going to have all of Marvel. So, all the Marvel MCU stuff. Maybe the Netflix stuff they haven't let on yet. I, think I don't think we're going to have the Netflix stuff. I don't stuff. think we're ever going to get the Netflix stuff no. on there. But we'll get Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Because that's. Yeah. Nobody cares about Agents I like of it. I do like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We haven't I like had the, the first last four season. seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then it gets even better. The last few mm-hmm. seasons have been really great. I, I, there's lots of animated stuff yeah. that I want to see. I do want to see HD uh, remasters of Gargoyles. Yeah. I'm really interested in seeing that. I'd like to see, watch the Gummy Bears again. The Lost Clone Wars series. Which I've already got on Blu-ray that yeah. I, bought, I bought from somewhere else. We've got, but we've got new, we've got new Clone Wars. Yeah. This, is, this is the thing where I've got a problem with the Disney at the moment. I want some guarantees that the new stuff, like Clone Wars like Falcon and Winter Soldier, like WandaVision, we will get day and date the same as everybody else. No. And we're not going to get it kind of like we do Picard or The Walking Dead. And it's like, America gets it first, then you're going to get it a day later. I don't want to kind of like, it's going to be two, three weeks, or four weeks or whatever. It's like, if WandaVision goes out in the States, I want it the same day in the UK. See, my biggest problem with all Disney things is they have this horrible, horrible habit of vaulting stuff. So they'll release stuff on DVD or Blu-ray for a three-month period and then rest it in the vault for another five years, basically to create this artificial demand. And even though this is basically a bit streaming to your house, I have this horrible suspicion they're going to vault stuff pretty quick just to reduce the server load. So you'll have like Beauty and the Beast on Disney Plus for three weeks and then it'll disappear again for six months, and then it'll come back again, and then it's just to keep you constantly subscribed, because I think they had such a massive switch off when The Mandalorian finished in the States, and it was kind of like everybody's watched it, and then they just cancelled their subscription for three months until The Clone Wars came, and then the subscribe. Yeah, I th- but I think that's just that's just adults being adults, yeah. because I think while while this has all been happening elsewhere... They've had the Disney Life platform going for quite some years now, which is kind of aimed at uh, kids. Yeah. Which I don't think has done that. It's had a lot of the kind of animated stuff for kids, which has just been there chugging away in the background for quite a few years. And I think one of the issues that they've got with Disney Life is that people don't understand what's going to happen. Is that just going to become, you know, will your subscription to Disney Life just switch over to Disney Plus and what happens there? So I think there's some questions with that. But it wouldn't make. I think it, they would be shooting themselves in the foot to to vault stuff off because it annoys me with Netflix when they do that. Yeah. That stuff is leaving Netflix. It's like it's been in my list for two and a half years. I am going to get to it. <laughs> do not make me kind of like you know. Do not make me have to pay for another subscription. Don't, don't make me rush. I will eventually watch you know Fire and Ice or whatever it is or Beastmaster I will get to it I will get to it I have seen it I, you know it's been a long time since I've seen it I will get to it but I think it's just it's a tricky thing because it's like if you're subscribing to something yeah it's kind of like I'm, you're not going to be able to watch everything in one go 
the weird thing as well is with Bob Igus stepping down, which we've heard of in the last few days, and he's been such a driving force behind you. you know, I think he stepped into an executive chairman role, but for him to take over the day-to-day handling after being involved in Disney for so long, is it more because it's popping to this corporate thing? So we know they've bought Marvel. We know they've bought Fox. I mean, there's been rumours this week that with Dan DiDio leaving DC and AOL are looking to sell DC to Marvel, which I think would cause some ebullisms across the country with fan range if DC and Marvel do get merged into the same company. It's not a good idea. No. At all for that. The, the, the monopolization of things is, yeah. is not a good idea. I mean, what, when does the point that Disney's too big? When What happens then? Yeah. Because so we're just left with Disney, Universal and Sony now at this point as major big studio franchises. And then you've got small studios like A24 and Lionsgate playing in the smaller field. And it's kind of like, but the big blocks to movies are controlled by pretty much these three studios now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. It, they've they've got, kind of got you over a barrel in a sense, because if you have any love for Marvel, if you have any love for Star Wars, if you have any love for kind of the animated stuff, yeah, you're kind of going to go, you know, that's the cost of a couple of 4K Blu-rays. And it's five get, quid a month, and I'm going to get all the Marvel movies in 4K. I'm going to yeah. get all the Star Wars movies in 4K, which currently m- the majority of aren't available yeah. in the UK. And I'm not going to stump up another whatever of 300 pound they want yeah. for the 4K re-release of of the Star Wars. Set. Again, that's another thing I hate. So I wanted the big Marvel Cinematic Universe Infinity Saga box set, not available in the UK at all. Mm. You have to buy boxes, phase one, phase two, phase three, part one, phase three, part two. It's like, I want yeah. just a big box. I mean, at which point are they going to stop doing physical releases for stuff? Because in the past, you've had some stuff that's had exclusive content for digital release, which yeah. has always annoyed me because it's like, if I'm buying the physical Blu-ray, I want all the stuff on it. Uh, but again, is at some point they're going to go, well, we're just not going to put out a, a, a physical release because some films recently oh. as well, I've, I wanted to watch um, Sorry to Bother You in the UK. No Blu-ray release, only on DVD in the UK. There's a couple of other ones. Um, I think weird films like the uh, the the kid who would be king. Yeah. Um, no Blu-ray release in I the think, UK. I think unfortunately though, it's a dying market, but it's exactly the same as what happened in the games industry. Everybody remembers going to your electronics boutique or your game store as a child, buying your big box PC game to take home and play. Nowadays, Steam, click, and you get in a great bigger breadth of stuff like that because you have indie games coming through with screen steam Greenlight and good old games and humble bundle promoting lots of different video games but we've seen it in the past as well where we mentioned it previously on the show software ain't reliable stuff can be pulled i mean look at what happened with the warcraft 3 remastered a couple of weeks ago which is still people are angry about it now i think it's the lowest user score metacritic for any game yeah 0.5. Yeah. But I think the problem with that is because they didn't just release Warcraft 3 Remastered. Oh, yeah. They purposely bricked the online multiplayer for Warcraft 3, the classic game, which we've been playing for decades. And people have got clans on there and people have built up entire lives on there. It wasn't so much that they bricked the original servers. It was the fact that they merged the old servers with the new ones. Yeah. So all the modes that existed in the original that they yeah. haven't brought back for the remaster are now all locked out. Yeah. 
So I mean, you had stuff like, as you mentioned, Dota started off as a Warcraft three. Yeah, and I think um, the the two big things as well was um, so with the with the merging. Um, so DreamHack happened last weekend, and actually that caused a lot of detrimental problems because an offline competition they were still disconnecting. Um, so some uh, some of those competing their best of threes would turn into like best of sixes, and actually the one uh, one of the uh, competitors who was out to win it and was looking like they were winning for the past four games ended up losing because the game would end spontaneously because of bugs um because of this kind of merger yeah and also um blizzard did what was a very like corporate decision they decided to um put something in the agreement where basically all mods are now property of Blizzard which would automatically kill the modern community. That, they are so mad about Valve yeah. getting Dota. Absolutely. That's what it's about. <laughs> that's all it's been, that's all that that whole thing's about. Well, this 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 is the same thing that happened with BioWare and EA. Blizzard as a company I think doesn't really exist as a company anymore. It's just another arm of Activision. I think the blizzard that people fondly remember as the champion of PC games isn't there anymore. I mean, we saw that as I said a couple of uh, we saw that last year when basically they were releasing Diablo 4 as a mobile pay to win game, and the community reaction of that was, "Is this an April Fool's joke that you've like held yeah. back a couple of months?" But don't you guys have mobile phones? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like to to. Take a dump on a franchise for that much legacy, especially after what happened with the whole Diablo three auction house debacle. Mm-hmm. You think they would have been very much more careful with Diablo four, but I think again it's this hubris in media at the minute where they think people would just suck it up and buy it. Mm. It's it's the same with Call of Duty every year, where they'll keep the prices artificially high on Steam. I think Call of Duty 4 is still like 70 quid to buy on Steam because mm. they'll never drop the price because they just want you to buy the next one every time. Yeah. And there'll be the Super Triple Platinum Plus Edition with a plastic statue in it and an extra three days worth of early play. It's a it's a price control mechanism, the kind of whole digital streaming release. Yeah. That, that means then you can't go to a CEX or a charity shop yeah. and get content and resell value. For, yeah. for, you know, next to nothing. There's actually um, a very clear example of this within gaming with Google Stadia because like, the prices on that are all like 60 quid. Yeah, And you have to... this this Again, Google Stadia just blows my mind. You have to buy... It's not a console, but you have to spend 100 quid on a special Chromecast, which isn't a console... And a control pad, which isn't for a console, but it's for Google Stadia. Mm-hmm. And then you still have to buy pretty much all the games anyway. Mm-hmm. So why would I do that when GeForce Now pretty much streams it for free? And every game that's on there, you can get for cheap. From your own Steam library. Or on any system. Like, yeah. I think Ashen's actually did a video of him trying at Stadia, and it's basically him looking at Red Dead Redemption 2's price, which is 60 quid. Then looking at the Xbox One version on Amazon, it's like at least half that. And it's like, yeah, yeah why would I play Stadia if I can get the Xbox version much cheaper? Cause it's weird because I think um, I don't buy an awful lot digitally, but Comixology is quite a good yeah. example of how a digital platform can work. 
they don't artificially hike the prices up. They are still, if you buy day and date release, they are comparable with a physical print copy, which is, again, a bit weird. But then they will heavily um, discount them after a few weeks or whatever it is. So you can pick up a $3.99 book for 89p or you get a... um, trade for 2.99 or even cheaper so that's that's quite a good way of doing it there that if you just kind of hold off a little bit and not day and date you can make some good savings and get access to a lot of good content you don't see that too much you'll have the occasional sale on gaming and stuff yeah. like nintendo like, do quite a good yeah steam have their like quarterly sales which mm-hmm. season themed yeah. but the other thing that i think america also forgets because they control most of the media and content distribution nowadays. Mm. Not everywhere has great internet. Mm. I mean, I'm lucky enough to have 200 meg internet here at home, and it's still patchy occasionally when I'm streaming stuff, depending on the weather and how much load is on and how many people are involved. Uh, if you go out of a large city in Bur- in the UK, you'd be lucky to get two to three megs worth of internet. So are you going to want to sit there and watch The Mandalorian in... YouTube 360p quality with compression sound and blurry artifacts and stuff like that, or you're gonna go and want to pick up a DVD of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's another thing. I think everybody, I think media companies assume everybody will be able to stream it, or it's going to be cheaper to force people into a streaming method than it would be to do physical releases and ship it to shops. But it's it's a big danger that we lose control of all of our entertainment in the future and everything's based on a subscription i mean nissan last weekend are now doing cars as a service and this adding of as a service to everything as well so basically nissan are doing this trial i think it's in south houston in texas where you spend 500 dollars a month and you can go to the dealer and pick any car you want and drive it around and basically, it's $500, your insurance is included, no servicing, no tax. You just have to pay for your fuel. I mean, it's telling that I heard cars as a service and just instinctively died inside because I'm tired of hearing <laughs> games as a service. So, yeah. Um, it's this whole thing that the way that the, the world is running at the minute is people will never own anything that you just have to rent everything for mm-hmm. eternity because that way they can nickel and dime people for eternity rather than having yeah. your one purchase. And it's not like Disney haven't got an audience they can sell physical stuff to. Yeah. You know, they have the Disney store that sells a lot of tra- tap people. <laughs> um, I mean, you get Black Series figures for dirt cheap occasionally. That's the only thing about I go yeah, but to the they're Disney always store. The, they're always the Jen Erso ones that they couldn't get rid of anywhere else. I will not have you besmirch Rogue One. <laughs> I love Rogue One, but if you go into there, it's, they've only got the I figures mean, that nobody else wants. You can have an army of K2SOs. It's, it's a droid. They're, they're repeatable. It's fine. But what happens to the kind of the whole collector's thing of of that. That's again, tied, that's tied into the digital deluxe edition. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but what what do you take to the guests at MCM? It's like at some point, if there were no physical print copies of comics, what are you taking to get signed at a convention? If you would, you know, if I was lucky enough to meet Bruce Campbell, I would want him to sign my copies of, of don't, Evil don't, Dead. Don't you want a poorly focused picture of yourself standing I in do front not of a star? One of those ridiculous <laughs> photographs they sell with the hover hand of somebody who's just been sprayed in Lysol <laughs> to like not 
even touch you and speak to you for 30 seconds and get charged 100 pounds for the privilege of that what yeah. what what are you missing out on there Keith? I, i'm 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 a bit confused as to why william gibson didn't predict a future in which the only things available to mankind were funko pop vinyls and streaming services <laughs> that's all we're gonna have you can have this as long as you want the pop vinyl of it. You it's can fun. have it as long as it's got a massive head with solar size. You mentioned yeah. that. Like, I went to... I haven't been to the cinema when I went to see Sonic. Like, they had, like, all the sort of usual things, like the sweets and stuff, and then Funkos. Yeah. Just there. And I'm like, why are you selling this in a cinema at the refreshment stand? <laughs> I'm fe- Either I dreamt it, or I'm fairly certain somewhere recently I did see that they were going to put out some Funko Pop vinyls of the characters from Parasite. <laughs> Which wouldn't surprise me at some point. But the thing is, they're just going to look like people. Because they, just... <laughs> they are. Yeah. That's what gets me when they do Funkos that just are just generic people. Because they just... They You'll have a limited like edition one with a cake accessory. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. And then that'll, that'll be a chase figure that you only can get at San Diego Comic Con. Mm-hmm. And will retail for $500 the week after it's been released. Oh, Funkos. From Disney Plus to Funkos. One foul swoop. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of similarity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a few reservations I have about Disney Plus, but my finger has hovered over that pre-order now button that, that quite 20, a few times. Is that £20 off deal really appealing to you? I'm I'm kind of hang. I'm going to hang, because I think you can do it up until the day before the service goes live yeah and i'm kind of waiting for that usual kind of amazon thing where they go yeah we discounted that but we're going to do a really really good discount like five hours before it goes live and you can get it for even cheaper so i'm going to i'm going to hang off for a while yeah and see if i can pick if you know paying 40 quid for the year i think yeah i'd, yeah. I'd kind of do that no, no matter how much i've complained about it, it it's probably going to be picked up for at least one year because yeah well, I have Sky Cinema, so it's going to be interesting what's left in Sky Cinema because it's just at the moment it's Harry Potter, Marvel movies, and Star Wars. I think yeah. they're just constantly chaining those until they their license runs out, basically. Uh, so we'll get Sky Original movies, which I'm sure will be brilliant. <laughs> but saying that, we're only focusing on the things that interest us. Yeah, um, because I was talking, to, my daughter was saying that I needed to buy it now anyway because she's really interested in the high school musical the musical the series of the musical series <laughs> she wants to watch that so there's there's i think there's I've plenty of content seen out there as many colons in the title of a thing and there's probably yeah. as many colons as will be consisting of that film yeah <laughs> and i am i am kind of curious about watching jeff goldblum does stuff <laughs> Or whatever that show is called. Jeff, Jeff Gold, Goldblum is perpetually amazed. So, <laughs> so I'm kind of like, I kind of might watch that. I may not watch the Jeff Goldblum does jazz hour. Um, that will no doubt appear at some point. Um, I mean, I can imagine you're a person who watched a very Bill Murray Christmas on Netflix. So, I, so you I, can't I, say anything. I may have watched that <laughs> as many times as Christmas has happened since it was released. <laughs> Lee, it's on my list. Lee, you going to pick it up? Nope. <laughs> Too many superheroes. Too strong. I mean, I mean num- number one, I can't afford it. Number two... You don't um, like Marvel superheroes. Yeah. 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 Um, and just like, I mean... Do you not want to watch the Lion King not live action, live action movie? No. <laughs> I mean, like, if if I got it for anything, it'd be to watch, like, DuckTales. <laughs> and that's basically it. I was going to say Animaniacs, but that was Warner Brothers, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah. I would have won. I'd, I would sign Chippendale up. Rescue fast, Rangers? I would sign up to a Warner Brothers thing if Animaniacs was on it. Animaniacs <sighs> with Freakazoid, Tiny Toon, yeah. Toon yeah. Adventures. <laughs> exactly. That's 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 where it, it's really at. So. Yeah. 
Matt, are you going to get Disney Plus? Um, for me, no. I'll probably wait and see what the damage is elsewhere before I commit to it, to be honest. And I think part of that is because Disney own the universe at the moment. Yeah. And it's a it's kind of, I don't really want to give them any more of my money. Yeah. <laughs> Just you'll turn on the barren fields of all other streaming services. Yeah. And then I'll We've finally got adapt Netflix to Netflix. We've got Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody? Please. <laughs> it comes to something with HBO Max's big news is Friends Reunion. Mm. It's like we had the biggest TV series of all time, but nobody ever wants to watch it ever again. <laughs> So we have friends now. <laughs> I don't know. It it I, it pains me to say it, but I'm probably going to drop some dollar on it. Anyway, let us know what you think of Disney Plus. I'm sure there'll be a thread on the day saying everybody's bought it and nobody's happy as the servers crash <laughs> again. <laughs> All right, Lee, we've got. Just time for you to squeeze in a 60-second Sonic movie review. The Sonic movie is surprisingly not terrible. It's not great, but it's not terrible. Uh, It's just kind of like an adequate kids movie that's got the Sonic license slapped onto it. Um, You've got Jim Carrey being 90s Jim Carrey, so he's basically just being Ace Ventura, the mask, all that, and then eventually turns into Robotnik towards the end of the movie. He actually does the voice towards the end, which surprised me, and he does it quite well. There's a scene where Sonic gets chased through San Francisco. They don't play Escape from the City from Sonic Adventure 2. So that's a crime because that's <laughs> they totally should have done that. Um, and like they, but that kind of there's, there's a little bit of fan service for like fans of Sonic from over the years. But like not a lot of it. It's kind of just we put it here in this really awkward place. And then like bits where you think, oh, yeah, they're going to throw something in here. They just don't. And it's really weird. And then, but what they have put in there is an Olive Garden advert. Don't you mean the entire film is an Olive Garden like, advert? There's, there's one bit of one bit of dialogue where just out of nowhere they just throw in the Olive Garden slogan, and I'm just like, what just happened? <laughs> it's the it's like you know that scene in Wayne's World where they've got the product placement. <laughs> it's like that, except it's not a joke. <laughs> Does James Marston get package for Olive Garden with their unlimited breadsticks? No, it's, it's, it's the only app he's got on his phone that didn't come pre-installed. Because when you're here, whatever the slogan is. And they, that, that's genuinely the dialogue. It's like the only app I've got on my phone that wasn't pre-installed was the Olive Garden app. And then they just say the slogan to each other. And then that's the scene. And I'm like, what just happened? They, they do realize there's like an entire world out west of... yeah. Outside of Midwest America, where <laughs> Olive Garden would be your only choice, <laughs> yeah, like we don't have it in the UK, so like it means nothing if you're promoting it in, when it's shown here. So at least with Demolition Man, they did it properly by having Taco Bell, but taking the piss out of Taco <laughs> Bell for the entirety of the movie. <laughs> See, I thought like um, Jurassic World had the worst product placement, where every Mercedes Benz car just stops just in front of the camera, so you see the logo, mm. and the Pandora and the Starbucks in the final scene are the only buildings not destroyed by dinosaurs. But no, uh, this is worse. No, 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 no. There is worse product placement than that. My ultimate bad product placement is the first Transformers movie, where they're in a helicopter, and they're like, one of them's listening to music, and he's like, the other guy's shouting out, and he's like, sorry, I couldn't hear you on my iPhone <laughs> and like just holds it in front of the screen for at least three seconds. Watch the Transformers movie and he's just there like this. 
I'm just wondering why they didn't do what like Pixar did with the various Cars movies or where, where they did the region specific ones. Like they oh, had certain the, had Jeremy Clarkson. Well, they had Jeremy Clarkson for one. Then they then they had two guys that did a, like a, a Saturday morning kids show thing. Like why didn't they regionalize it and go like uh, it Dick and Dom? <laughs> yeah, Dick and Dom in the car. So replace Olive Garden with like Chucky Chicken or Dixie King or whatever it is. You, your local like uh, LFC. Yeah, LFC. <laughs> Make it local. No, just like like a, a just like an Uber Eats or something. Just yeah. thrown in there for no reason. You could order some Huel. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's it. I went into it expecting just a train wreck, and surprisingly didn't get it. There are plenty of cringeworthy moments, like Sonic flosses twice, like as in the dance, the terrible. <laughs> I mean, he's like, well, after going for the unlimited breadsticks, you do need to give your teeth a bit of meat. Like, I mean, as in the terrible Fortnite dance, and but doesn't I thought the whole point of Sonic was he moves too fast for the human eyes to see. I mean, there's some of that, but then, like, the fact that he's on a road trip for no reason. In a car, yeah. where he could probably run the entire yeah. distance yeah. in five minutes. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's, like, a whole thing with, like, James Marsden's girlfriend's sister doesn't approve of their relationship for no reason. And just that's just thrown in there just for some cheap laughs and stuff like that. It's a weird movie. That or Detective Pikachu. Oh, Detective Pikachu is much better. Did you stop for the post-credits scene? Yes, I did. And they are clearly making a sequel. <laughs> like it's so obvious that they're making a sequel. That's the only reason that scene exists because it's like here's here's something that sets up what's going to happen. Samuel, have, Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> turns up and goes, "I want to I want to uh, recruit you for the uh, <laughs> for, for the uh, video games initiative." No, yeah. no, it's just a giant hand appears, and it's like you're here for the Smash Brothers uh, cinematic universe. <laughs> you're here for the, the <laughs> Sega collection. Sakurai just comes out, <laughs> just stamps. They've done Detective Pikachu. They're doing a Mario animated movie soon, so you know. See, I was just expecting, like, Knuckles appears from the shadows. You're not far off. Tails? Yes. There we go. <laughs> <It was gonna laughs> Spoilers, Spoilers, guys. Gosh. <laughs> it wasn't going to be Amy, was it? <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd laugh if it was. <laughs> I was hoping it was going to be the author awful Sonic that they had in the previous Ooh. versions. And he just appears in from another, <laughs> now, you know, portals in from another Look, I'm going I'm to spoil the end of the movie. Charmy B shows up. <laughs> Not even Shadow with his guns. <laughs> what was sorry, I know this is a massive segue. What was that game about? Shadow the Hedgehog. No, no. It was no. Ryan. No. Ryan, it was the early two thousands. Everything had to be edgy. Yeah, dark and edgy. A hedgehog does not carry pistols and fire them <laughs> at Kimbo mode. He's 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 edgy and, and troubled and damaged. It's right. Matt, Matt looks and like he's that, never that heard soundtrack of as well, that soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> Linkin Park plays Sonic. <laughs> I'm, I'm proud to say that I've never played Shadow the Hedgehog, despite playing like some terrible Sonic. I games. think you should play okay. it just for the uh, incredibly amusing article that would come out of the back of it. Yeah. <laughs> Although you mentioned the um, an omission in the music, what mm. was the music actually like? Uh, it was just like typical film score, 
from a kids' movie kind of thing. Was there no licensed song by Megan Trainor or Taylor Swift no, or no. one of the other ex Disney regions? There's a bit where he likes he goes so fast in a bar that everything else is slowed down, and there's some some but song plays in that scene. They did the they did the Quicksilver X Men Days of yeah, Future yeah. Past bit. Yeah. So is there no kind of like remixes of? Any There's like a piano version of Green Hill Zone. Okay. Nobody wants it. a piano version of Green Hill Zone. <laughs> <laughs> because the the town that like Sonic arrives in is called Green Hills. Oh. So, and I was disappointed that they didn't like carry that theme on along the road trip, and you go to like a bar that's called Marble or something, and then it's oh, like oh, spr- the Spring Yard, which is just a junkyard. At the, side the casino <laughs> would have worked perfectly. Yeah. yeah. What was that? Was it Purple Hills? That Eminem. D27 or something did a song. Oh, D12. Yeah, yeah, D12, yeah. that's it. Yeah. I could have used that. At least that would have been close. <laughs> I've been so many places, I've seen so many faces, but I've not seen these green and green hills. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, they did use Gangster's Paradise in the original trailer. I mean, you know, come on. We had a Rihanna song for Star Trek I, Beyond. I just blocked that out of my mind. <laughs> just blocked that first trailer that, out of my mind. That was worth it just for like the fact that someone did a Mega Drive remix of Gangster's Paradise and it was great. <laughs> Nobody should be inflicted with the first Starlink trailer ever again. <laughs> That 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 was a ploy. I'm sorry, that was a ploy. They had the bad CGI mm. and they swapped it out on purpose. I'm mm. sure the rest of the movie looked awesome, and they released mm. this trailer with the bad Sonic just so people would be would be more accommodating to mm. the movie version that we've got. No, I disagree with that. But like executives make terrible decisions, so you know. <laughs> what I didn't really get about that was um. Uh, the story came out that they spent X amount on reskinning Sonic, but then I'm pretty sure a fan trailer came out where they basically did it already, and yeah. mm-hmm. I was a bit like, I don't understand where the money came from. Then, if a fan probably it had all the- gone on the Cats movie, <laughs> <laughs> it was extra money for the Cats movie, and they couldn't say it. That's what it was. Maybe they should have done what the Cats movie did, released it in its original state, and then patched it later. <laughs> I think that is the first time I've ever heard a movie getting a patch. The first movie ever to get a patch midway through release. <laughs> day one, day one patch. Yeah. yeah, it's this film's broken. We need to release it. Going to start having roadmaps for the film. Yeah. <laughs> Idris Elba needs nerfing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's true in real life. I think. I think the, the whole thing, the time and stuff, relates to the, the 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 complexity of having to actually render all of those frames. A fan made one for YouTube is. Pretty, that's not a great amount of work to, to do well, to be seen on YouTube. Out of, yeah, yeah, but to do a whole to do a whole movie and then kind of re-render all of that mm-hmm. and do do all that is, is mm-hmm. quite a time-consuming process. And then they uh, then the the studio went bust anyway. Yeah, <laughs> but I've heard I've heard a lot of positive things about it. People have said it's not the train wreck that you would expect. Mm-hmm. It's a mild caravan collision. It's a mild disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> it exists. That's that's what that's my review. It exists. <laughs> how many how many geeky brummies would you give it? Out of whatever, how many geeky brummies can we have? Five. If we don't score things on this, we recommend or we don't. Do you recommend. do you recommend or not recommend? Well, if I was to say if it was great or perfect, I'd say it was great. Okay, <laughs> great. Still not Mortal Kombat though. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Mortal Kombat. Yeah. So Mortal Kombat. Two camera operators <laughs> yeah. just like start weighing into each other. <laughs> I watched that movie. 
I think that happens quite often on sets in the background. <laughs> yeah, any anyone that got got Christian Bale in front of it. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the Geeky Brummy podcast this week, Matt. Where can we find you on social media? Uh, so my Twitter handle is Mr Matt Level, or on Instagram Matchstick underscore Matt. Lee, where can we find you? You can find me on YouTube at Bob the Pet Ferret, where. Very next, soon, next week, yes, there will be a update of what's happening with the channel going forward. So, a lot of big things happening there. So, make sure that you are subscribed for that. Um, you can also follow Bob the Pet Ferret on Twitter for updates on the same. But you can also follow my personal Twitter at the Cheap Ferret as well. Keith, where can we find you online? On Twitter, it's Hardluck underscore Hotel. Pretty much everywhere else, it's without the underscore. But regularly on the Geeky Brummy Twitter on a Wednesday, rattling on about comics and also on the website, putting in my recommendations for the week, uh, which is there. But I'm also going to take this instant to recommend another film that people should go and see uh, over the, the next couple of weeks. If you like it's Parasite. Cats. It's no, not Cats. It's a, a film called Little Joe, uh, which has just been released. It is from uh, Jessica Hausner. It was also nominated for the Palme d'Or earlier features Paddington himself, Ben Wilshaw and Emily Beecham. Oh, I thought you meant and... Paddington himself. <laughs> no, 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 not the actual Paddington. Uh, but I think if you kind of like a slightly um, weird um, semi-contemporary sci-fi um, thing, it's called Little Joe. It's about a woman who creates a plant that makes people happy and strange things ensue. So I think if you liked Parasite, you might also get a kick out of seeing Little Joe. That's that really recommend. cool. Recommend you go and check it out. <laughs> you can find me at Ryan Parrish on Twitter. Uh, you can find me also at Brummy Gourmand on Twitters and Facebooks and at BrummyGourmand.com when I do get finally back around to writing some food stuff. I'll probably be tweeting really arsy comments about MasterChef and Greg Wallace's face for the next few weeks. <laughs> now you can't say anything about what was that? The, the Masked Singer? Yeah. 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 Now yeah. the Masked Singer's over and I have no guessing games to have for the rest of my week. <laughs> I mean, it was obvious it was going to be what's a face from Girls Aloud, wasn't it, really? <laughs> anyway, but yeah, so I'll probably be bringing back MasterChef Bingo for the semifinals, which is one of my favourite times of the year. So check that out. Or you can find us all, as Keith mentioned, at Geekybrummy on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Yowchobe, and at Geekybrummy.com, where Lee does his gig. Gaming Roundup. Gaming Roundup each Friday. Keith does his comment roundup every Wednesday. You can find us having our Twitter days. And I've started actually properly tweeting now. You have? <laughs> so we can find themed content on there each week. I need to think of a theme for the next few weeks. Yes. <laughs> Weird clashes. Parasite to Sonic. You've got to do that with like games. <laughs> Silent Hill to, I don't know. Whatever you, whatever the <laughs> Sonic um, the Hedgehog, <laughs> everything to Sonic the Hedgehog, yeah. But um, don't forget to like and tell your friends about us and write reviews. It really helps with like sharing things. Share, like, subscribe. I, I feel up. like a YouTube personality when I say yeah. things like that. Smash that subscribe button. Don't forget to click the bell notification. <laughs> Ring the bell. <laughs> so I can't. Yeah, it doesn't really work when they say smash that subscribe button. Like, yeah, well, well, that means you like you press it and then you unsubscribe and then you subscribe and then you unsubscribe. Yeah, it doesn't make. At which point do you stop? Because it's a bit of a lottery. Then is it? Have you lightly press the subscribe button once, <laughs> to, and then it will say subscribed and then stop. 
Yes. Back away from the computer. <laughs> yes. Never touch it again. Yeah. And the bell doesn't ring when you press it either, so that's a lie. But tell all your friends anyway. Yes, tell If you've not insulted your franchise of choice over the last hour or so. Or if we have anyway, just do yes. it for the sake of it. Yeah, just just share, share. You know, controversy generates clicks these days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> More controversial, the better. Yeah. Right, we'll be back next week. And Lee and I are popping to a technology launch over the next week mm-hmm. or two. So we'll probably yeah. be reporting back from there. Mm-hmm. Exciting. But more interesting content as always. But for now, bye everybody. Bye. bye. See ya.